Have you ever been really sick? I know some of us have gone through severe bouts of disease that would certainly qualify, but I, I mean the kind of sick, not like a cancer sick, but the kind of sick where it's just horrific and you need antibiotics so bad, you don't know it at the time, but man, do you want to go to the doctor. And maybe you don't normally think you want to go to the doctor, but this time you do. Or, or change, change the analogy. Your tooth hurts. Nobody wants to go to the dentist. Sorry if there's any dentists out there, but you don't want to go to the dentist. You go because you have to. But when you want to, when you are rushing for an appointment to the dentist, something hurts. And you feel it. And you can't wait to get there. And others would think you're strange until they felt what you were feeling inside that mouth of yours. Well, as we look at the psalm for this month, Psalm 6, the psalmist is hurting, he's aching, he's suffering. Verse 6 in Psalm 6, he says he's moaning, and every night he floods his bed with tears. What's he talking about? He's talking about his sin. That is just not something, if we're being honest, if the church is being honest, it talks about regularly or enough. Sin is the problem that Jesus solves, and it is by his grace that he deals with it. And when you know you are truly sick, or when you have that kind of aching, the kind caused by the sickness of sin, you want to see the great physician. You want him to heal you and redeem you. This is a penitent psalm. It's one of seven. So there are seven psalms out of 150. Remember, this is a big book. We've been working through the psalms one month at a time as we do communion, and you can tell we've been doing this for six months because we are on Psalm 6. This is one of the seven that deals with sin. There, there are several lament psalms. So think of it this way. If lament psalms deal with the brokenness of our circumstances on the outside, penitential psalms deal with the brokenness of our own lives on the inside. And, and for whatever reason, we generally like to talk about the ones on the outside. Like we generally like to say, God, help me with this situation, this person, this financial need, this relational need, and that is all good and true. So I'm not trying to say that God doesn't want to deal with those. I just want to say for some reason, we probably don't feel the same emphasis to deal with the brokenness on the inside. And yet that is where Scripture takes us. And that's why I want to say, this is God's grace to us. He wants to minister to us on the inside. And he wants us, wants us not to be afraid to look there and to see what that is. That's the, that's the first symptom of a Christian is that they're willing to look on the inside. The fruit of the Christian life is that they're able to say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That they're speaking the language of repentance. That is symptom of health, brothers and sisters, that is what health looks like. We don't have to deny that we're 
unable to live the life perfectly, Christ did that for us. We don't have to claim that we haven't had any sin or deny areas where we struggle. A symptom of health is when we deal with that, because that is the grace Christ offers to us. And I say all of this as, we, as I stand before this table that invites us to come and fellowship with the great physician who heals not just in due course the brokenness on the outside of us, but who even now is dealing with the brokenness on the inside. I'm going to read Psalm 6 in its two parts, but I want to, just for a few minutes this morning as we move toward the table, show you how Psalm 6 teaches the Christian two reasons why the confession of sin is important. Again, don't hear this as this burdensome practice. Hear it as grace. Here it is, going to see the physician when you're aching on the inside and you feel the brokenness. So here's the first in verses 1 to 7. Those verses talk about the problem of unconfessed sin. Listen to the experience of the psalmist and see if you can relate. Verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you in Sheol, who will give you praise. I am weary with mourning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows because of all my foes. The psalmist knows they have acted in a way that dishonors God. That's implied in verse 1. We don't know how. He doesn't share in what ways. Is it his own conscience, which is a common grace gift of God? Is it the work of the Holy Spirit? that rebukes us for the sake of getting us to see the physician, like a nerve ending. You don't want to turn the nerve ending off. When you feel the pain, you want to get it checked out. When you feel the internal strife within you, you want to see the great physician. Because of God's holiness, because of knowing who God is, in verses 2 and 3, the psalmist literally experiences physical and spiritual impact from his sin. He's asking the holy God to be gracious to him, for he's languishing, knowing full well the consequences of his sin. He's asking God to heal him. Verse 2 is a declaration of the gospel. That's what every Christian has to pray. Whether they were six years old or 60, they confess their sins and declare Jesus by faith to be their Savior. That's what the psalmist is reflecting. Sin is not an abstract reality or something we only pay at the end of our life. It wreaks havoc on us now. And the evil one, Satan, would love for the church of Christ to hide in the shadows and practice sinful things. He would love for us to dishonor God and deny the grace that is offered. Like a person with a severe toothache 
who's constantly grimacing and can barely eat any solid food and yet does not go to the dentist. You would say, how foolish are you? How much more pain do you want to experience? And yet how many Christians avoid altogether dealing with the opportunity to receive grace in their lives? Verses 6 and 7 describe in rich images the suffering, the, the the weary with his mourning, weeping at night, a drenched couch with tears. His eyes are wasting away because of grief. Our bodies feel our sin. We would all say that in regard to stress. Scientists would speak about the reality and the impact on our bodies. Physical illness can happen because of stress. The moods or emotions can be impacted, even behavior. Anyone working in the local schools or in some kind of counseling service will know the immediately impact of a kid who has dealt with trauma. You can just see that in the way that they interact with their friends in the playground or their teacher in the classroom. You can, you can, it's palpable. So also is the one who deals with sin. Unconfessed sin not only damages us, but it damages our view of God and it denies His grace. That's why the psalmist rehabilitates himself by remembering that God deals with our sin, not to injure us, but to heal us. Heal me, verse 2. Heal me, God. We do not need to fear fear confessing our sin. We don't need to be fearful to confess our sins. We need to fear not confessing our sins. Like We need to reverse that. Unconfessed sin damages us. It distorts what is true about God, and it denies the very gospel you and I proclaimed however long ago. Remember the song that we sing as God's people? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He wiped it white as snow. How many of you, even as I was saying that slowly, knew exactly where the lines were going to go? Because you sang it. It's become embodied in your memory from, by the grace of God, maybe as a young boy or girl. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Who doesn't want to go see that physician? You don't walk to that physician in fear. You walk to him with gratitude. You run to him. You want him to embrace you in your brokenness because he already has. You see your sin as an opportunity to be honest with who you are and to let God be God. So unconfessed sin is a problem. It denies the goodness of Jesus, the grace of the gospel, and you're lying about yourself. Well, let me tell you about the promise of confessed sin. And that's where verses 8 through 10 take us at the end of Psalm 6. Beginning in verse 8, the psalmist turns to his detractors, right? All those that say, you Christians are hypocrites. You aren't very 
honest and upright, and we would say, we know. Not that we want to be, but we're still dealing with this horrific disease called sin. We know that's who we are. We will be the first to tell you. The psalmist turns to his detractors and shows his confidence in the Lord in light of his confession of sin. Listen to verse 8. Imagine saying this to the person who says, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. The psalmist says, depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. What are these promised blessings of confessed sin? I don't think any text in the Bible describes it better than 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. Are you familiar with that verse, with those three verses? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. From that verse, let me, let me give you three promised blessings of confessed sins. Let, let, let me urge you to let God be God, to let your sinful state be part of your story and your regular dealings, and for you to be honest with the physician and your need of him. Here's the first. Confessing sin allows us to be honest with ourselves, to be true to ourselves. It allows us to be honest with others. We can say, I lied, I cheated, I stole, I did this to you. I don't have to, I don't have to cover that anymore. Have you ever tasted that grace in a small way with someone? Have you ever experienced that when you get something off your chest or the weight is off your back? Imagine just living in that state regularly. And to be honest, it allows you to be honest with God. Remember 1 John 1? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Anybody who says that is self-deceived. If we say we have not sinned, verse 10, we make him a liar. We're making God a liar who says we are sinners who need his grace. So the first blessing of confessed sin is it allows us to be honest with ourselves, with others, and with God. Here's the second. The second blessing of confessed sin is that it brings honor and glory to God. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. It declares his faithfulness. It declares that true justice has happened. Not just justice between you and somebody you wronged, but eternal justice, cosmic justice, justice over all the universe. It brings honor to God. It's not just honest, it's honorable. And finally, the third blessing of confessed sin 
is it's a symptom of the gospel. It declares the gospel in action. When you say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. When you, before your God, say, I have sinned, Father, forgive me, you are living out the gospel. You aren't just saying, I believe it. You are living it in action. You're believing it in deed. And it's beautiful. Maybe you came this morning and you are like the psalmist in Psalm 6. You feel the weight of unconfessed sin. Hear me now, brothers and sisters. Don't feel the pain of the ache when you need not. Go to the great physician who is faithful and just, who's already paid it all, and all to him you owe. And he wipes it white as snow. I go to Christ. But maybe you struggle with the focus on sin. Maybe you prefer the lament psalms. Not that you would have said that on a Sunday morning over breakfast. But maybe if you're being honest, your default is not to want to look on the inside. It's to want to deal with the stuff on the outside. All your prayer requests, prayer requests and your aim are for God to work in the chaos around you, not the chaos in you. Let me say, the gospel wants all of you. God wants all of you. He died for all of you, not just for your kids, not just for your marriage, not just for your finances, not even just your physical health. He died for your soul. And he wants you to live in a way that you experience the fullness of his grace, not just in your circumstances, but in your inner being. I hope you hear that invitation this morning. Would you bow your heads as we prepare to transition and move closer to the table this morning? Just bow your heads. And just having heard the psalmist's message in Psalm 6, the problem of unconfessed sin and the promise of confessed sin, would you take a moment and ask the Spirit of God to probe you, to reveal to you even now what unconfessed sin might need to be addressed? Be honest. Take a moment. Pray to the Father. Maybe some of you are just exhausted from playing the game and acting the part. Maybe there's unconfessed sin that has separated you from a brother or sister in Christ, a family member, a coworker. Maybe there would be deep consequences if you confess it. Jesus paid it all. All to him you owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. The 
Christ wiped it white as snow. Father, the words of that song are literally just flowing from the Scriptures to your people. And in our pride, in, in our selfishness, and in our wanting to control our own circumstances, we, we, we frequently and maybe regularly lie to ourselves about who we really are, to others about what we've really done, and sadly, in, in a silly way, to you. And we want to gather around your table with the freeness of true health. We've come to the hospital, not because we are the physicians, but because we are the patients. Let us be a people, Father, who confess our sin before a God who is literally described as faithful and just, who already knows, has already given of himself to redeem us. May we be the most willing to be honest with our darkness so as to receive your light. Father, as we move toward the table Help us as your people to practice this indeed in the actions we're about to partake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.